The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Hey all, Bud here. Just want to say that about five minutes after the show ended, the Big Ten decided to postpone its season and try to play in the spring. That said, the discussion you're about to hear is still relevant since it's about why or why not to postpone the season, looking from the viewpoint of multiple parties involved across all the different leagues. So we hope you enjoy and... Yeah, it really doesn't change our opinion on this stuff. What's up? Welcome to Barton and Bud. Uh, This is Barton Simmons. Uh, He is Bud Elliott. And I'm back. Uh, I've been partially back for the last month or so, but I am sitting back in my house, uh, fully employed from paternity leave. And, you know, I think, I think I have a Phil Steele coming in the mail like today or tomorrow. And I can't wait to open it up and look at all the schedules that I can just rip out and throw away. But it's been a, it's been a wild couple of days, man. It has been, man. I, I was going through some of my preview magazines right here. We actually wrote the, uh, I think we wrote the recruiting part of this uh, back when I was first hired and got the emails like, hey, you have 5,000 words that are due uh, by the end of this week. It, it has been a crazy week, man. Like last week, I, I thought we had a good show. We talked about how the, the schedules are, co- are coming out and that's that's pretty neat. We got excited. We, we lamented the lack or the loss of some of these non-conference games, but I think we were still pretty pretty happy to have games you know it's like man this is i'm pumped up and even if in the back of your mind there's little things eh, i haven't really said that these are a guarantee and, and they tried to couch the statements of, of releasing the schedule and look there's no guarantee here i, I was still excited you know it's, it's just nice to not have the concern linger, lingering over everything for uh you know for on a daily basis but then sunday came and sunday all of a sudden it's like hey we've had emergency meetings after the MAC, which is a league that, I mean, you know coaches in the MAC. How many of them will tell you off the record that we kind of have FCS resources and I don't really understand why we're in the FBS? I know at least three schools. They cancel, probably because they can't afford testing. You know, like they're, they're not at all in the same situation as, as these major schools are. And the fact that a lot of their paycheck games got canceled really you know, cuts out the legs of a lot of their funding. It made total sense to me that the MAC would cancel. I'm surprised that at the Mountain West, you know, d- d- didn't cancel when the MAC did. But then all of a sudden you hear, hey, the, the MAC is going to be the domino for the P5 schools canceling. And I was like, wait, what? Because my, my, my family was in town. I wasn't watching Twitter every minute on Sunday. Josh Pate text was like, hey, you want to you shoot a show on, on the cancellation of the season? I was like, uh, <laughs> okay, uh, catch me up here. And so reports came out the Big Ten had canceled. We're sitting here Tuesday afternoon. Big Ten still has not canceled. So that's kind of where we are, man. And my main, I think the main question people have is, is, what the heck? How do we go from talking about a schedule to talking about cancellation within the span of just three or four days? Yeah, I think – so here, here's like 
I'm I'm excited to have this this talk here with you, Bud, because I think the goal for me, at least in this conversation, is like there. It feels like when you're when we're out there navigating the Twitter seas and the 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 the, the news landscape, it's like everyone is coming at this from one tribe or another. The reporters are rooting against college football tribe. The uh, the you know whatever the the alternative to that is would be. I don't know. Everyone's going to die of COVID's tribe. Like the, like there's everyone's coming at this. The COVID, COVID is fake, is fake tribe. tribe. Corona bros. Yeah. yeah. There's no, yeah. no risk to, no yeah. risk like, to players. There, there's everyone's got these, like these, these ideas of, of what should happen and how ridiculous the other side is. And I think the, the reality is with most, most things is like, this is so incredibly complex complicated nuanced and and there aren't good answers and there's there's everything's kind of a bad answer and like and so i just think it's it'll be it's good to just sort of dig into it and talk about all the different factors at play right now and 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 just sort of assess the situation i think we could be you know we were sitting here and it's tuesday afternoon and you know by the night Big 10 and Pac-12 could be off the table for the season. But, and who knows, by the end of the week, maybe the whole country's done. But I think there's also reasonable news and reasonable reasons to suggest that uh, that the SEC, ACC, Big 12 could all play, that there's going to be a lot of football this fall. Maybe there's some football in the spring too. And by the way, like everyone is making, on both sides, reasonable decisions that are defensible. Um, and so... You know, let's like I'll get into like maybe maybe this is like a start because you 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 talked about the Mac and like the the I've stayed out of this from a like I haven't really been this has sort of been the twenty four seven company line in a lot of ways in the sense of like we're just plowing ahead like we're not gonna start you know Brandon Marcel has done some great reporting on just sort of what's going on beside the scenes for us at twenty four seven but in large, large part, especially you and me, like we've sort of been about like, what's going to happen on the field? How does this impact the field? Uh, what can we expect? Like, that's just sort of the 24 seven way. Um, and, and, and then my first, the first time when I was like sort of compelled to express an opinion one side or the other and, and sort of like hint at an allegiance to one tribe or the other was, uh, it was when it, Ross Dillinger put out a tweet, and I, and this is by no means meant to pick on Ross because Ross has done an awesome job in all this. He's one of the best reporters there is out there. Um, but I, I I took issue with this tweet from uh, Ross Dillinger that said, um, you know, he, he was talking to a, an official uh, report. Ultimately, why did the MAC cancel the seasons? Quote, MAC, MAC administrator, quote, medical advice, reporter, Quote, why aren't Power Five leagues listening to the same advice? Uh, Mac administrator, quote, I'm not touching that one. That was where I was like, okay, like this is like, let's not, and, and, and Ross is just reporting the conversation, I, but, but let's stop this. Like the max decision points for canceling the season are totally different than the Power Five. Their challenges are totally different. They don't have the resources to keep guys safe. They don't have the resources to, to, make it make financial sense to get through the season while continuing to test guys as much as they are. It doesn't, uh, the, they don't have the, they don't have the, the money games that have now canceled as everyone's going conference only. There's no reason the Mac 
should should sink all this money and get all the PR blowback for for uh, get putting kids at risk, uh, you know, quote at risk. And so that that's sort of by that Mac official, that's sort of an unfair implication that that Power Five schools are are making that that decision of basically choosing economics over player safety. And so I, where I came out is, is, is the idea like, and, and this, I think ultimately the crux of where I am with things right now today is the decision that administrators are, are making in a vacuum or, or should, would be making in a vacuum is, is our players less safe competing in football than they would not. That's not the decision that they're making, but that's the decision they would be making in a vacuum is, are they less safe playing football than not? Are they less safe getting tested weekly, being in a contact sport, but being tested weekly, uh, undergoing uh, stringent protocols, having a collective incentive to stay disciplined and, 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 and stay focused on, on the, those protocols, or are they, are they safe not having being a full contact sport, but being out among either the regular student body um, at your college or back home, whatever that circumstances may, may be. Um, Power Five programs are able to, to provide those sort of resources to these players. Group of Five programs may not be. And maybe more importantly, Group of Five programs can't guarantee that whoever they play will be able to provide those resources. And so it's a very specific conversation to Power Five programs. Um, and so with that said, like, that that is where I sort of started to come out and be like, all right, this is sort of my opinion on this. Is like, I don't necessarily think it's safer. In fact, I do think it's it's safer for guys to continue to play and participate within the collective uh, discipline of the team. And yet, again, this is where that like the 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 uh, you can sort of understand both sides. The the non vacuum approach is like there are optics at play. There is liability at play. There is what happens if a player is actually seriously deals with health consequences of, of contracting COVID while playing, you can't then say, oh, well, hypothetically, he would have gotten it had he not played also, or hypothetically, more guys would have gotten it. That's, that's, that's a guess. Like you, that's an, that's a, that's a, uh, an educated guess. Maybe that's an estimate, but it's still a guess. And it's still something that then blows back on whoever made the decision. And so, um, so it's again, so we're at a point now, we're at a little bit of a stalemate where it's very much about uh, which, like, like which hard decision are you going to come down with? And that's sort of, my, I don't know, that's like my opening statement of like where this conversation begins, but there's so many different directions now we can take it. And I, I think we will take them there. Uh, by the way, I do want to note that we hit 500 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate that. Uh, we are going to actually probably put that listener appreciation show uh, or shows maybe depending on how long we go in the can a- answering all of your questions. And we'll drop that in the next week or two. going to try to find the ones that are evergreen. So for, I, I think it's, a, it's important to frame the conversation because you just said, would they be safer playing versus you know, not playing and, and being at home? And, and if that's the choice, which I think it is in large part, we've actually seen many players come out and say like, Hey, I'm definitely safer here getting tested, having access to medical care than I am back home. Many of which, uh, many of whom come from dis, you know, like disadvantaged neighborhoods and who have seen sky high COVID rates and, and real, uh, you know, real consequences fr- from COVID in those neighborhoods. The, the issue of the liability, and I've, I've, I've seen this 
bandied about on Twitter. So I think it's important that we frame this the right way and we clear it up. It's not, hey, if I catch COVID and I have consequences of COVID, is the school going to be liable? Because let's face it, is it possible to prove where you caught the COVID? Eh, probably not. Could you convince a jury? Maybe. Would you lose on appeal? Probably. But it's the myocarditis. And this is a, this is a, a, a phrase that has kind of come into our lexicon recently in related in, in relation to COVID. And it's really, the I think, what the driving force behind the Big Ten and the Pac-12 discussions uh, about potentially canceling the season. And basically, myocarditis is inflammation of the heart, which puts you at increased risk for things like heart attack and arrhythmia and, and, and all, all those type, type of things. They don't fully know how long that lasts and your exact risk. They're starting to think that it's similar to, to the risks if you have another viral infection like like, like herpes or uh, uh, what's the one that, that uh, like the, uh, meningitis, not, that's back, you know, viral meningitis or, or uh, things like that from, from what I've been reading. Now, if you catch COVID, the school monitors it, then they put you back out there and they don't have the right handle on how long you're at risk for myocarditis, or they don't have the capability to test you, which I think really factors into your MAC discussion, right? We know at at least one Power 5 school, you get an EKG and a heart scan once you get COVID. And before they clear you again, you get one because they're aware of the potential myo issues and and liabilities. Clearly, if you have an enlarged or inflamed heart and you go out there and play football, that's not a great recipe. We, We can all all sides of Twitter can agree on that. So that's the real liability that I think they're trying to weigh here. And even with that, as we'll talk about in a minute, like there are multiple factions saying it is a risk. It's not a risk. The risk is overblown. Uh, even some people who you think would be on one side are actually on the other side of this. And I think that's because the science and the data is, is still evolving. Every day is, is, is another data point we get about COVID. Uh, and another data point we've had recently, uh, and, and I think this this matters here, is the players wanting to play. Like, they clearly want to play, but in the last couple of days, they've become united together across multiple conferences. That's something we didn't really have before, you know, even as of last week. Yeah. So, and the players wanting to play is, is obviously relevant. And, um, and I think it's, like, this is, I was having a conversation today um, with with a coach and like the players want to play but obviously who's saying that like you like we're not literally polling every single individual player like it's it's a those players represent some subsection of college football and 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 a power five football and some some headliners really do want to play and and i you know you talk to coaches and most of these coaches uh really do want to play as well. And or sorry, most of these players really do want to play as well. These teams are are loaded with guys that have worked for this and are, are sacrificed for this and really want to play. Um and so I think the you know the next question then is like you still have to provide an opportunity for these guys to opt out. Guys have opted out. Um and so if if we're in a situation where and and look I think the the question that remains unanswered with the opt out is the eligibility question. Are there scholarships that are going to be there for you if, you know, with the incoming recruiting class, you know, if if you are not expected to be back, you know, if you opt out in your in your fourth year of eligibility, do you get that year of eligibility back? Like that's 
a question that I don't think has been sufficiently answered, not only from the NCAA, but from, you know, programs themselves. Uh, and, and so that is sort of the, the issue with just the anyone can opt out situation. But I think the reality is like, if we're talking about football as like inherently a risk, if we're talking about anything in life as, as having some level of risk to it, like there are always choices that you can make. And, uh, anyone can choose not to play like they like everyone's scholarship is going to be um is going to be respected and and um and so you know players can make the decision not to play college football this year if they're not comfortable with it and they should and that decision should be respected um but ultimately like we're if if there is a season um there's an inherent risk involved but again like even the my, my uh, what is it myocarditis myocarditis I think I think it's myocarditis it sounds right myocarditis I think so. even with the myocarditis with COVID itself like you are like the the act of playing football is it what makes COVID worse it's just an opportunity to get it and to to contract it and I think it helps with that risk mitigation when everyone you're playing is also being tested and monitored with regard to that as well. And so again, it's, it's a difficult situation, but, but I think players are still afforded the opportunity to opt in or opt out with, you know, yes, maybe potentially you do lose a year of eligibility. Um, I, I don't know that that needs to be necessarily the, the be all end all to, to, to college football. Like, I think that that can be guys can, can accept that. And, 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 and that's not necessarily like in my, in my view, like an unfair trade-off. Um, it's, this is going to be imperfect in whatever, in in whatever is laid off. This is going, whatever is laid out, this is going to be imperfect. There's no doubt it's going to be imperfect. I, I do disagree with you. I, I don't think they should lose a, a year, year of eligibility. And I, right? yeah, I, mean, I don't think they I, should. I'm just saying if that happens, like that, sure. like sometimes these things are, yeah, these, be the like end of the world. sometimes it's like the, the spring seasons, like I, I assume like we're, we're at a position right now where those spring seasons, those guys lost years of eligibility. Like certainly the basketball players did. I think the baseball players did as yep. well. If I'm not mistaken, the guys that were seniors, I don't think they get another year back. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm not caught up on that. So I interestingly here with with the players wanting to play with, with them uniting the you kind of had the Pac-12 faction and, and the Big Ten faction of, of guys coming out with demands. Ultimately, the Big Ten faction of players really undercut the legs out of the Pac-12 faction. Uh, the Pac-12 was asking for a bunch of stuff, which is sort of pipe dreamy, and also I think their asks sort of uh, illustrate they don't really understand how the business of college sports works. Uh, you know, asking like that endowments be used for things for for which they've not been. Uh, you know, bequeath to university, uh, things like that. So they come out Sunday night w- w- with a list of, of pretty simple demands. Uh, look, we are, you know, we want some like, nationwide health goals. We want some formation of player association and we want open communication with administrators and coaches. All, all those things seem fairly reasonable uh, with the exception of one thing. The player association there has got to scare the hell out, out of college football conferences and, and administrators because that is essentially uh, a union in, in part. Now you can't have the real union in college football because obviously 
National Labor Relations Board has already ruled back in the Northwestern case that you know, the, the, basically the complex issues between having all these private schools and public schools, you know, labor law is intended for use of private you know, employers and, and you have some of these kids at public. It wouldn't totally work. But A, I think it scares the heck out of these administrators. B, and our Chris Hummer for 24-7 Sports wrote on this, there's this kind of weird middle ground that the players are stuck in right now and that the sport is stuck in because the entire sport is built on the idea of amateurism, right? These are just students who happen to play sports, even though we know that's really not totally true at the highest levels, which is you know what we primarily cover and, and watch. Uh, but if you had a player association, if you had ability to negotiate with the NCAA and say, we'll play under these conditions and we'll sign a waiver, I think that would work. Because then you're, you're probably getting something in exchange. You're accepting the risk in exchange for compensation, much like what the NFL and NBA and Major League Baseball players are doing. The thing is, with this middle ground they're in, they're not quite pros, but they're also not quite true amateurs because, of course, billions of dollars are being made on the sport, some of which trickles down to them in the form of benefits, not in the form of, of paychecks, obviously. But, th- but like people will say, well, hey, there's like little leagues out there playing right now. And they're right. I mean, there's a baseball team practicing near my house. The other day, I was I was driving by the golf course, and this dude was was literally having soccer practice on the eighth fairway, like you know, before the sun went down. I was like, that's that's pretty creative. So that's more of like a family decision, you know, because nobody's making money on little league baseball and little league soccer. A lot of people are making money on the pros, but they have acceptance of the risk. You get all these kids with, with, with this player association are trying to form with the hashtag, we want to play, we are United Movement, but they really can't sign a waiver. And NCAA has already said, like, hey, knock this, knock this off, because a couple of schools were already trying to you know, float the idea of waivers. They know they wouldn't hold up in court because the players aren't actually compensated for their agreeing to, to sign the waiver, and the courts wouldn't think just being allowed to play is acceptable consideration for a waiver of your liability there, especially when somebody's making billions of dollars off you. So I feel for these kids, man, like it sucks because they want to get out there and play. These coaches who work all off season, they want to get out there and play. And yet because of amateurism, really like the the bottom line reason here, just the structure of the sport normally allows it to be extremely profitable. Now it's kind of like this crazy red tape they got to try and navigate around. And it's, it's really tough. Yeah. And did you hear Scott Frost? Um, He, he made several comments in a, in a press conference. Um, I think it was yesterday. Um, but one, one thing stuck out to me was the, you know, he, everyone is very skittish and scared and for good reason because of, of just sort of the optics of it, but like skittish to talk about how much is riding on these guys playing from an economical standpoint um, in terms of not just the athletic department, but the local economy at some of these, um, at some of these universities, some of these cities. Um, all the all the surrounding support staff and, and, and everyone that's involved in these programs and, and, and everyone who's who has built who have built um a career out of sort of the these these college programs. And he he sort of Scott Frost sort of touched on that and talked about how you know he, like again, like you almost like cringe a little bit. It's like, oh, is he talking about like these guys are gonna play? Like if these guys don't play, it hurts the economy, and that that's a reason we should play. And it's like it's a, it's it's obviously something that um, college football media really harps on when it happens, and and like there it's it's touchy sure. and it's sensitive. 
but I talked to a coach yesterday too that that mentioned it too, and I and and and, and it was one of the first times a coach has sort of mentioned it in in a in a substantive way, and initially I was a little bit like, oh, like, but be careful, like we're talking about you know building an economy off of unpaid labor, right, and and, and whatever. But I think a lot of that too is is something that like at some point we do have to just sort of acknowledge where we are in this like what 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 we have built what has become of this yes this is thing is all kind of messed up and and we need to continue to work to remedy uh where things are at with with these players and their their ability to to make money and and get their fair share but it it also it also is worth at least bringing up and acknowledging that the reality of the situation is that economically, like cities are relying on these these football teams playing in, in some capacity. Like the other sports, like a lot of things are are relying on these guys playing. And um, and and to your point, Bud, like the hard part about it all is they want to play. You know, they they want to play. But because of how this is set up and how it looks and how it and, and how it operates and, and 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 where the revenue is distributed to, it just creates this this uncomfortable situation for all parties. Um, and but again, like I think and I don't and, and, and I don't want to be like this to, to be spun as, you know, Barton thinks they, they should play because of the economic impact. Like, I'm not even saying they should play. I, I just think we shouldn't bury our head in the sand and, 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 and ignore that guys who want to play are, are, are basically, if they do play, would, would, would create a huge economic disparity between a, a season and not um, for a lot of people involved, and it which trickles to a lot of different areas. So, again, it's an unco- uncomfortable conversation to have, but I – in a way, I sort of respect Scott Frost for just being honest and just being like, "Look, here's a press conference, and I'm going to remind you guys economically what what this what is riding on this." Mike Gundy got skewered for this back in the in the spring, probably rightly so, I guess. But but again, it's it, it's it, it is honest. At least it's honest about what college football means beyond just um, you know the 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 collegiate experience for these players. It's incredibly honest. I also think, like, you know, the frame of reference for Gundy's comments compared right. to Frost, like, we're in the middle of like a national pandemic, and a lot of these players' families have been impacted as well, as opposed to, you know, Gundy saying it at a time of, of pretty good prosperity for the sport. Uh, and then combined with some other stuff he said, I, I think prior to that, and especially after that, we're, we're you know, he, he kind of got got continually skewered over that. I, man, I, I agree. Like you, you have a lot of local businesses that that really rely on football being played. And some people are probably screaming at, at their radios right now saying, guys, you're making our point. Like you're talking about not just the school making all this money, but now you're making lo- like local businesses making all this money off these guys who aren't paid. But the thing is, and this is where I really come down on this. If, if, if they were paid, most of these dudes would actually not be paid very much money. Right, a couple, a couple of the ones who probably belong in the NFL already as freshmen and sophomores would, and luckily the sport is trending in that way to compensate the guys who are true superstars. I, I'll always say this: for the most part, college ath- 
you know, college athletics in exchange for a scholarship is a pretty good deal for most of the athletes. It's just a really bad deal for the couple superstars who are giving away, you know, years of their prime earning opportunity. This is one of the reasons why, and I'm pretty pro player, you know, and I, I like, and you and I both take coronavirus pretty seriously, obviously, like our, our family social distance. We don't go out, all, you know, that type of stuff. I laugh my ass off at, at, at the Pac-12 player demands, right? Saying they want 50% of the revenue, which, okay, sure. And then they, they wanted a, a, a rev share across all sports. Like, you guys realize that means, like, the swim team, they're coming out of pocket because the swim team loses money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the volleyball team, they're having to, like, Start they're having dues. to pay back their scholarship <laughs> to Stanford. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so, I, for the most part, I, these guys aren't missing out on that much. Just a couple of the superstars and a couple of the really huge schools, you know, could make a couple million a year as far as market value easily. And that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm obviously this could, this could turn into an extensive, uh, you know, player compensation tangent. Um, you know, but, but again, I, I agree like in the idea that like a, a 50% rev share, even if even if that works out and like you you distribute fifty percent rev share to the players, you're still at a point where there's a net like it doesn't makes it doesn't make sense where the eighty fifth guy on the roster is getting the same revenue and maybe whatever you do a snap count. I don't care. Well, however you do it, sure. it's still going to be it, there's there's it doesn't make sense in terms of value of Tua Tonga Vailoa versus value of the starting left guard. And, and so I think it, it, it still boils down to, to me to just like deregulate all of the name and image likeness, forget it. Like it doesn't like, so what, like let, let, let a guy hand a player a million dollars in cash to go to a school. Like who cares? Like that is their worth. That is how much the market is determining them to be worth. And Whatever schools benefit off that, they're going to be the same schools that are already having success. And so, like, let's just get over the idea of players being it, like, like it's somehow it's bad for players to be getting a lot of money when they're 19 years old. Like, it's okay. And so, that's obviously a whole yeah. different conversation. But it would it would make it would make everything else we're talking about a lot simpler if we just didn't if we could just wipe clean this idea that these guys are 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 have their earning ability capped at zero basically during these prime earning years. And now they have to go up and, and prop up an entire uh, college campus's economy um, like that. We would be able to have a much more clean and easy conversation about the, you know, these players acknowledging the risks, taking them on and, and deciding to play anyways. Uh, if we could, if we would have just you know, removed all this amateurism um, charade a while ago and remember the term student athlete was actually created in the 60s for the ncaa to avoid paying players because there was a lot of momentum back then and then they basically you know did some legal maneuvering and they were like oh they're student athletes now it's like really that's like it's not a term that's been around you know since 1880 when Rutgers started playing football uh, I, I i totally agree with you on that so man we're we're sitting here just check twitter Couple interesting things going across my uh, screen. We got news popping. Louisville, we got a little news popping. So Louisville, uh, one hundred tests, zero positives. Big fan of that. Uh, obviously, when students get back on campus, I think they'll have some uh, positives, most likely. Orgeron today said on 
an interview on Fox News that the September 26th date for the SEC uh, is actually intended to give them a buffer to overcome the wave of positives they expect when students return to campus. Uh, that's the first I've heard of that, so that's kind of interesting. The uh, the Alston uh, decision, uh, the, you know, the NCAA case that would allow uh, compensation uh, for uh, r- related to education, so like you could actually pay guys cash if they meet certain academic goals. Uh, Steve Berkowitz of USA Today is reporting that uh, the, the Supreme Court has denied uh, at the NCAA's request for a stay of injunction uh, in, in the Alston case. So interesting there. So we might actually have a very uh, complex recruiting scene this fall until they're able to, to fully hear in that case. case. But the, uh, the, the Alston decision, basically like, like can schools pay guys uh, for education type things? So graduating, meeting academic goals, paid internships, uh, you know, school-related items that are not included in cost of attendance, computer, musical instruments. God, just stop blah, blah, the charade, blah. everybody. Just, dude, just right? On, exactly. Man. This yeah. is so silly. And like, also, like, I know this is not a very twenty-four-seven thing to, to to say, but like, the best players also get paid under the table. And if they're getting paid over the table, this liability shit would we wouldn't be talking about it. You know what I mean? Like that. You know, if if somebody somebody's grandma's house gets bought. You know, Zillow says it should go for a buck and a quarter, and it goes for, goes for four and a quarter. You know, and all of a sudden it messes up the Z estimates of the entire neighborhood in Miami. Hypothetically, here, like, you know, I mean, if you pay them like above the table, and that, anyway, that's a huge tangent. What I wanted to say though is, is I, I checked Twitter to see if the Big Ten had canceled because Sunday night I was told the Big Ten's canceling, and now I'm kind of wondering, man. Did the Big Ten float this to try to see what the public sentiment would be? Maybe to try and do a little union, like potential union busting, to try to give their their players and and teams and programs time to push back publicly to say, "Hey, guys, we want to play," and really make a a big PR show of it before eventually canceling. What do you think the delay is here? Because I was told the vote was done by by a lot of reporters on on Twitter. I, yeah, on I mean, I, I I do think it feels like to me. I mean, like the the Hail Mary player led we want to play movement seem to to resonate in, in the sense that it sparked more more voices like presenting the case for playing being being less passive observers in this process and and engaging um i'm looking at ryan day i'm looking at jim harbaugh um james franklin like the the major voices on the coaching side in the big 10 have really stepped up and been assertive in and and I think like the whole the whole Big Ten is it gonna play thing has was driven from obviously the presidents and the the um the report that proved to be a little bit inaccurate in terms of the Big Ten canceling. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but if that that was a two to twelve vote of the 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 medical spokes per people or medical lead medical professionals from each university. We now know, yeah, we now know that it was a two to twelve vote by the right. medical people. On Sunday night, it was actually presented as a vote by the presidents during the president's meeting. But but we now know that's actually not true, or at least it's being reported that it's not true. Instead, the medical people representing each school voted twelve to two, right. not to play. And so and so now I th- I think where we're at at this point is big t- the Big Ten presidents are are at least willing to. Um, delay a little bit um and again no, no there have been no formal announcement so this could this could be outdated by the time this publishes but the hunch here is, has, has turned towards 
Big Ten is willing to kick the can down the road a little further, perhaps, uh, seems where we're heading. Um, and it feels like that was largely due to the overwhelming response from players, coaches, teams, parents. You know, we've seen, um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson's father, former Michigan great himself, is an ER doctor um, who, who expressed support. Uh, John Wagner, who's a defensive lineman for Iowa, uh, both of his parents are doctors. They express support. Um, you know, there's been a lot. There's been an outpouring of of we want to play sentiment, not only from players but from parents and from coaches. And 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 to me, if this gets delayed, if this gets turned back on, if this gets uh, reversed, uh, and, and somehow big the Big Ten has some sort of avenue to to have playing some sort of fall season, maybe I'm naive in thinking that those those sort of um, that that upswelling of 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 voices in support of the season have, have changed the turn the tide a little bit, but I don't know that that felt real to me. Like that felt like a real real movement that maybe caught some people's attention. So I after after this break, we're going to get back. We're going to talk about how I think you're right, at least in part here. I, I don't think it's totally fake, but also. Not everybody's getting on the bus with the Big Ten. And the Big Ten keeps kind of switching what time that bus is, is going to leave the station. So when we come back, it's what we'll talk about. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, man. So surprising nobody who follows college football uh, closely. Not all the conferences are in agreement about this stuff. So the Big Ten seems like they're probably going to cancel or at least delay. It looks like maybe they would vote that way. A lot of people, a lot of you know, media still kind of think it's going to happen. Just it might be delayed a little bit. And there's you know, decent supposition, I think, that the Pac-12 would probably be a league that would follow the Big 12. I saw some reporting out there today that the uh, Pac-12's medical uh, stuff doesn't doesn't really seem all that promising. But not the, these other leagues aren't really joining them. And, and I got to say, this kind of started months ago when the Big Big Ten, out of nowhere, like <laughs> people knew they were considering it, but they didn't think they were going to all of a sudden yeah. announce it. They're like, boom, conference yeah. only. We're going conference only. And the SEC and ACC were like, wait, what? Well, what? Like conference only today, July 9th? We're, we're doing this? I mean, over a month Even ago, the Pac-12 was caught off guard. They had, a, they had a few Big Ten, Pac-12 matchups too. Yeah, so I don't think it should surprise everybody that the other leagues have not followed the Big Ten's lead, even internally, right? And I think that was a lot of of assumption on Twitter at the time that okay, once the Big Ten goes, or once the Big Ten privately votes to go and, and cancel, move to spring, 
all these other leagues will do the same because they don't want the spotlight on them as, as the ones who are exploiting players for gain, blah, 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 blah. Well, it turns out, man, these other leagues have found some doctors who don't agree with the myocarditis stuff. And I knew we'd bring it back to this. Uh, Greg Sankey today, uh, some, some interesting comments about how they, they feel like they can pull it off, play safely. They're going to continue to monitor the situation. Duke's doctor, who's actually leading the ACC's medical group, says he absolutely believes that they, they can play. And, and he gave exclusive comments to the Sports Business Journal. I want, I want to make sure I credit that. To me, that was really big. The ACC is you know, a conference that I think people would be on the fence about canceling. And specifically Duke, for their guy who chairs the, the committee, um, Duke was the school that first pulled out for the ACC in the hoops tournament, if you recall, back in March. And privately, I've had some conversations with, with folks in the ACC, and they're like, yeah, Duke kind of scares us. Like, Duke could be the one to, to pull the plug here on this. But for Duke's representative, who happens to chair the medical committee for the ACC, to say he believes they can play and play safely, man, I'm I'm kind of excited. Like, I, I know Sankey said, like, they could play by themselves if they had to, not preferred, but it wouldn't totally shock me at this point if we do have just one or two leagues playing. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the SEC and the ACC is that there's getting, we're getting a lot of indications that it's not just the players and the coaches that want to play. Like, there's, there's get, we're getting to be a lot of indications that the, the administrators and decision makers want to play. You know, Scott Satterfield has been quoted here recently in saying, like, very explicitly, our president believes that we can play and, and has every intention of us playing football. Um, the chancellor at Tennessee, um, I believe met with the team and said, you know, basically we're playing, um, the, like the, there's a lot of, of, I feel like there's a lot of optimism in the ability to get this done in those conferences for better or worse. And so look, and then this again, uh, this is echoed from a coach I talked to yesterday, but like, you know, even if there is a season, you know, the, the prospects of a continuous season are tenuous at best. Like there's, there, there's, there's, it's very, I'd say likely that there is either a significant delay or it doesn't get finished or whatever. But I think that. I feel I feel pretty confident at this point that we'll at least get the old the old college try from the SEC and the ACC. Are, are you you in agreement with me on that one? I am, and in fact, uh, Governor of my state, DeSantis, actually had a uh, like a, a for a forum today. Did you uh, see this? I was like, let's go. Down. This dude's like he continues to just say, bring it all down to Florida. Uh, it, it, well, I mean, you got some pretty powerful political figures. You got DeSantis and you got Marco Rubio who were like, let's play college football. Let's go. I want to play some college football. And then DeSantis today, I mean, he got the NBA to come to Florida by like, look, we'll take y'all. Let's go. And he kind of said it before the state exploded with cases, but then he followed through. And, and the NBA, I think, has had like zero positives from people who haven't left the bubble to go to strip clubs and get chicken fingers. But uh, like he today, DeSantis said... <laughs> we would welcome players to the state of Florida who opt out or who are not allowed to play uh, in, in their home states. Like, dude, can you imagine the transfer stories we could write if all of a sudden Micah Parsons decides that he wants to come down to Gainesville you know, and it's a, I was talking to a uh, director of player personnel at um, a Power 5 program, and he was 
he expressed to me that he was worried that if this if their season was canceled, they'd have to deal with uh, like keeping their roster intact and everyone transferring out. And I was like, I was a little bit surprised. And like, I mean, he would know better than me. Um, and so I, I, but I'm, I'm like surprised that that would be a threat. I would be a little surprised if that would happen because that's so much, I don't know, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of moving pieces, uncertainty, like to, to go and I feel like we're just all trying to survive this. Survive is the wrong word, but just get, get through this, get to the season. It's weird to me to think that some team would go out there and start like recruiting off of rosters of teams that got uh, their season canceled. But I guess, I guess that is a, a real threat and a real expert, like a, a real possibility um, that that sort of, that, that wasn't something I had thought about, I guess, is, and, and perhaps it really is something that could happen. Well, I, I think it, Absolutely is because, and, and I, I, the other thing is, we didn't mention this, but the Big Ten, according to Pete Thamel of Yahoo, I think he's yeah, at Yahoo, right? Yahoo. Thamel Yahoo? All right. So Thamel reported that yesterday was the first time that the Big Ten has discussed what would you do in the fall if you didn't play football? Like, would you be allowed to hold any kind of practices or organize workouts? The oversight committee would have to basically allow for some things, but also like the Big Ten would have to make recommendations. So. It tells me, like, this is one of the reasons why I think maybe the Big Ten did float this out there on purpose to gauge the blowback. Because if you haven't thought of a plan for what you would do if you pushed the spring at all, why kind of start floating out there right now? And, dude, like, if you're just going to hang out on campus and you're not allowed to practice and you have schools that are going to practice or work out elsewhere in the country or other conferences, I can totally see how, how your DPP would – uh you know, DVP, director of player personnel, for those who aren't aren't hip to the lingo. I can totally see why he would be worried about keeping his roster together. We've already seen players who signed with schools like Nebraska decide to transfer back home to the state of Florida before they ever even played for because of the whole virus thing. Like, this could easily happen. I mean, you're seeing Miami get a tremendous recruiting boost, p- picking up uh, you know, Leonard Taylor there and, and Florida keeping Jason Marshall in state and kind of a surprise announcement. The other day, I I think the close to home thing, we talked about it for weeks with recruits, but it also could apply to uh, the current players. Maybe deciding to go closer to home because they will not have played football in a year if you do push to spring. Yeah, and then obviously pushing to spring brings up all kinds of other questions, issues, um, what that season looks like. Um, it look it, it's. I'll say this though, if if we get an SEC and ACC season and let's say we get eight games out of them and then we get a uh, big 10 pac 12 spring season and the watered down rosters, you know, we got a few superstars that aren't playing that maybe we would otherwise have seen in the fall, but we get eight games out of them in the spring. Um, there's everyone stays reasonably healthy, man. I'll take that. I'll take that as a big win. I'll take that as a as you know two seasons of football. Uh, hey, even if we get look, I'll take Mac in the spring. Like if we get nothing else but Mac football in the spring, I will eat me some Mac football up in February and March or whenever those seasons are. We will live podcast the Mac in the spring and like live bet on it, especially when that William Hill deal goes through. And, and I saw New York might might get expanded and get some online wagering now. Uh, in New York, man. Hopefully, Florida 
uh, is next. I, I'm holding out hope for Florida with, with DeSantis loving sports as much as he does. You know that guy's got to be got to be getting down action somewhere, right? Like like he every sports type type related thing is like let's go yeah. sports. But there's no way that dude is sitting on the sidelines on Saturday with, with, without a little skin in the game. That's a former I, I think, former Yale I'm baseball to... player. That's my he, he, yeah. Oh, he is was, he really? He was, he was a senior when I was a freshman. I pledged. Were you guys ever in any NCAA pools <laughs> together or a little pick no, leagues? No, no. But I I I don't think. He didn't, didn't strike me as someone that would have shied away from it. Uh, I, I was, uh, I was, he was a, he was a deke and I actually pledged deke. So I kind of had ex- exposure to him at the time, but uh, never had quite the relationship with him to be in the same pool with him. Also, I don't know if you've seen this, the, uh, the spring league announced that it will be a six team event in October. Uh, this is on ESPN.com. A bubble in Las Vegas that could be the first of its kind in football, open to NFL cuts and FBS players who opted out or whose season was canceled. I hadn't seen that. Uh, well, it came out today at 9.15, and somehow I missed who's it. Who's putting that together? Uh, I have not read the actual story yet, but it's a, it's a legit blue check mark who has reported it for ESPN. So I, I know it's not you know fake, at least. I guess we'll see what happens. But, man... It, even if we have a watered down spring where only half the leagues play in spring and half the leagues play in fall, I like I told our brainstorm meeting the other day, guys, 24-7 is set for this because we know the next level of superstars. If you got all these dudes opting out, like people are gonna be looking to us. We know like the next guys. We know what's gonna happen. So I'm 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 excited for whatever happens. I think we're gonna have great content either way. And Every minute that ticks by, I check Twitter. I'm like, okay, is Big Ten going to cancel this? <laughs> now we got Dennis Dodd reporting that the Pac-12 and Big Ten meetings are actually overlapping right now. So he's speculating if they're talking to each other, maybe. So we're literally we're literally talking. Yeah. <laughs> we're literally talking right now as the as the commissioner, what presidents and commissioners are are talking as well. Uh, you'd love to see three versus two, three three. Like, give me Big 12, SEC, ACC in the fall, and give me Big 10, Pac-12, and then, you know, the, the G5 in the spring. I'm, I'm here for that. Pac-12, hashtag Pac-12 after Christmas is even cooler than hashtag Pac-12 after dark, man. There's also the – Dodd's been reporting uh, this, and, like, uh, a few other reporters have been um, throwing a little bit of cold water on the idea that a team could just sort of sub into another conference for a yeah, year. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Or cobble together a schedule, but – it sure is fun to just think about the idea of, uh, you know, Nebraska popping over to the Big 12 for a year or Ohio State coming down to the SEC like uh, like Brian Hartline claimed they were up for uh, the other day. So, um, hey, you know, if, if whatever happens, um, however, whatever Frankensteinian football season it is, it, it could be it could be one of the most fun ones we've had. Uh, assuming it all gets played, I'm, I'm excited, man. I, I'm I'm just I'm I'm happier today than I was on on Sunday night because I was depressed yeah. on Sunday. I was depressed, man. That was that was lame, yeah. and now I'm I'm not depressed about it anymore. You know, I, I, I yeah. think we're gonna be okay. Yeah, and again, like I think I think the reality is, like I I feel like I'm I've revealed on this discussion. I feel like I've revealed myself as being the like they should play tribe and the coronavirus is fake tribe no i don't think so not yeah and and i feel i really feel like whatever whatever solutions are 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 decided upon like they're understandable either way 
that doesn't mean I don't think there's been a total collapse in leadership and a total like um, void in leadership from a, a the NCAA and even the the uh, athletic directors and commissioners because the, the play like the game plan here has been so disjointed the the um, the coordination throughout all this has been so disjointed like there's been there's been I feel like major mistakes made along the way but uh, I do feel like things like the decisions being made are being made in good faith on both on all sides because there's just not good solutions anywhere I, I agree like Obviously, there is a money element, but with that money element comes the ability to test both for the virus and, and, and both for potential heart concern. So now it's just about feasibility and about balancing risk. And, and hopefully, hopefully the players get what they want. Hopefully the coaches get what they want. And obviously, hopefully we don't have events that lead to you know, the, the, the concerns over liability. Can I, and I say too, because th- this is, and it goes back to my initial point of we don't know whatever happens if there's a season we will have this this sample set that tells us how many people got case got got caught cases of it how many people had serious health issues with it we what we won't know is is how many wouldn't that would have otherwise um and i and i was talking to a high school coach today who brought this point up to me and it it felt authentic in the sense that like he had a meeting with his team and had and, and the seniors all spoke and he said and this coach told me that five five seniors stood up in front of the team and talked about uh being suicidal and having depression as they've dealt with this like isolation basically from school their teammates and these the 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 sport that they love and and I don't want it to sound to present that as like this sort of melodramatic um statement but I I do think that was like that was and his point was, if those five guys said it, how many other kids felt it? And I do think it's important to like acknowledge that all the diff, all the all the ways that football is important beyond just the hard numbers, hard case numbers, hard you know proximity to each other. Like this is like a, a really formative period that these guys have worked their whole life for, and so. And I think that's why the player empowerment movement, the We Are United movement has has resonated because like they're allowed a vote, like they are allowed a vote on their future within this. And um, I'm I'm at least pleased that we've been able to hear that voice uh, because there's there, there, there's, you know, it's, it's just like it's it's there's an alternative like the alternative isn't necessarily better. Um, and and I, I just think it's important to kind of keep in mind all these different aspects and all these different facets to it. And I I think you can be pro player and concerned about player safety and still acknowledge, man, that football means a lot to people. Most importantly, the players who play, but it also means a lot to communities and to families. And I'm not talking about just dollars for communities, but like there's, there's a sense of community around Friday nights, especially in, in, in a lot of areas in this country. You know, it, it means something to them to, you know, to small towns and, help people talk about this. like their mood on Mondays is impacted by whether their team won or lost. You know, they, they walk to the water cooler a couple extra times if they got the win. Cause they just want to, you know, they, they want to walk by their rival fans desk. It, I think ignoring player concern, like player wants and just kind of treating it like, Hey, would you let, would you let your kid drive a car 
I, I think that's a false equivalency, to be honest. I'm not mm-hmm. asserting that this is a no-risk situation, uh, but I'm, I'm happy to see the SEC and ACC do what they're doing and say, look, we're willing to try it, okay? We're going to put our, our best medical you know, procedures that we can, and if they don't work, like you said, I mean, I think neither of us are confident they're going to play 10 games. You know, like if you told me, bud, you're going to get five games per team of the ACC and SEC, and that's it for the fall, I'm saying done. Like, let's, you know, what was, right. what was that show where you could decide to bank or go on to the next level? Like, I'm banking. Bank, bank, <laughs> bank, 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 bank. All right. right. I'm taking that, and, and we're running with it. now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.